Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Department of Homelander Security, the officially unofficial podcast for the boys on Amazon Prime Video. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode five, titled We Gotta Go Now. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there have been a couple of song references in titles. Uh, this is that Louie Louie song, right? Oh, yeah, we got to go now. Oh, I, maybe I, I, I thought it was just like, you know, Black Noir's here. We got to get the fuck out. I and mean, yeah, but you of... got like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Uh, maybe you nothing might be is right. There. You might be right. There might, there's a lot of musical influence in the season for sure. For sure. Uh, what do you think of of episode five of this season? I thought it's another really good episode. Um, there's a part like man, uh, <laughs> that part where Homelander has this fantasy sequence of like lasering half a crowd. Man, was like fucking intense, and Anthony Starr continues to bring it with that like little roar he does at the end of it. Um, I, I'm I, like, yeah. My mind was reeling when I was happening. I'm like, well, there's no walking back from this. There's no. And then like, I was almost a little miffed that it was a fantasy uh-huh. because it was such a game changer. But also, I don't know that Homelander is that stupid. You know, he's clearly psychotic, but not in like. Uh, uh, I don't even know if he's psychotic. It's just it's like he treats humans the way we treat like cattle and insects, you know? Yeah, like, I, I cannot overstate my disappointment. Um when I realized that it was a fantasy sequence and here, the the one reason that I will give it a pass is because I think it's too early to do something like that. It's such a game changer. Like you said that that yeah, just yeah, yeah. the only escalation from there, the only path forward is to try and destroy Homelander and it's all out war. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, the whole it's, planet it's the end game him. of the show. And that's not, mm-hmm. it, we're not ready for that yet. Um, right. So I, I wish they hadn't done it, though, because it, it's such a fucking tease, because that's where I want this thing to go. That's the kind of scale, the the sort of, like, scope of this thing that I eventually want to see. So I hope this is, like, a a teaser for what's to come. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to just something... Because the boys will go for something like that. Um, yeah. And, and so I didn't feel like it was a fantasy sequence when it happened. I felt like this is right. the boys going for it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even it's for a, a show like this, escalation. too mm. much too soon, right? You you don't yeah. want that yet, but you want it eventually. You do, and and just like it's it just paints the picture of him being like this literal Old Testament god, this figure out a mythos that can kill with just a glance, you know, just like yeah. just by you know like looking at people, he just cuts half of them down in this very horrific way, and and it also felt like a pay off from his casual lasering that got him into trouble. But the yeah. reason it worked for me is because they needed to pivot him into running into the arms of Stormfront. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this, like him thinking, I can't do this by myself. I've somehow lost the the grip on this. I don't have it. And him having to realize that like there's two ways he can go. <laughs> he can either become the thing that they want him to be. And for, I don't think he wants to do that just yet. Cause he, you know, they, they, they have this thing in psychology called a narcissistic supply. When you've got one of these like people with a narcissistic personality disorder um, that they, 
they need, like they have such a, a terrible opinion and constant thoughts of viciousness towards themselves. They need a steady support uh, supply of adul- adulation and love from other people that they bully into the emo- like the, the giving them this, this narcissistic supply and they don't have it. They go into really dark places. And I think he's in, he's aware of himself enough that he realized that like, I'm going to either start burning the whole planet to death and rule over a planet of corpses or I'm going to see, you know, what what Stormfront and her meme magic can do for me. And they've uh, done such great things with depicting a man who is sort of out of time here, right? Like he, it, it, all the Vought stuff is so controlled. It's so old media uh, that when Stormfront comes in and starts, you know, uh, I don't know, periscoping shit and using memes to control public opinion, like that's such new media type stuff that Homelander just doesn't have his head around. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they've painted this like fish out of water with Homelander and it happened overnight, right? It's like in the span right. of five years, it went from, oh, memes are something funny that the weirdos on the internet do to this is, you know, the, this is your uncle posting it on his Facebook page uh, and, and getting all of his family to to click thumbs up on it. It's It's something he has to consider now and he's just not equipped to do it. Yeah, no, and it, it's also it feels very much like it modern it models modern times that like you know exactly. five years ago you wouldn't think of a political figure sharing memes fresh off of not just Reddit but the unsavory parts of Reddit. And now in yeah. 2020, the brands are memeing, our politicians are memeing, everyone's memeing. It's you're damn close to living in that Star Trek episode of Darmok and Jalad, you know, when the walls <laughs> fell. We're yeah. we're all like you know DiCaprio with class with glass raised. Uh, Keanu sits on the bench alone. Like uh-huh. we're just communicating like entire sentences and thoughts with these fucking memes. And it is kind of crazy and insane, uh, but super fucking effective. Like there's like one thing that chilled me is where Stormfront's explaining. It's like, you know, you'll know what works when your uncle starts retweeting it on or starts sharing it on Facebook. Like, fuck, mm-hmm. fuck. Uh, yeah, no, it. Uh, th- th- there's there's a couple things in this episode I thought were kind of cheesy, like uh, the movie they're making. <laughs> That's the cheesy. The movie they're making, it really is. Just the, the, the how bad we're seeing the parts of it. The whole must be. But I actually thought, as inventive as this show is, it can at, at doing super violence. Mm-hmm. What a pedestrian super sex scene! Oh, like yeah. the the burnt laser my tits off was kind of was a very Uh strong entrance but like the actual superhero fucking i thought was disappointing yeah this show is floating there in midair that's the best they can think of yeah i saw that in expanse four seasons ago Mm -hmm. uh, you know on your own damn deliveries service i mean this is the man who was executed about as well shapeshifters to become one of his exes who's got this mommy issues with and she's talking about lasering her tits and suddenly they somehow just end up you know, in a regular uh, prone bone right, position, clo- floating. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Americans spent half as much time inventing crazy cool sex as we did displays of violence, uh, we'd be way better off as a culture. But oh, yeah. I was disappointed that this show that's pushed the boundaries so much on what is, uh, you know, acceptable in terms of like just crazy fucking violence and with a good sense of humor, too. I thought they could have done something with a sex scene like... Uh, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, like a ultra sexual violent um, 
uh, uh, Austin Power scene where they're holding up melons and having because like I don't know if this show, <laughs> but there again you know it's like yeah you can't show Homelander's dick you can show him burning woman's eye sockets out and eating babies seventeen miles but like mm-hmm. oh god if we see a vulva or a penis we're going to clutch all of our super pearls uh, yeah so yeah I was uh, I was a little let down by the super sex that's it yeah it, it felt like they they thought okay we got the the tit lasering. Uh, we can just get out of this now. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We slammed mm-hmm. him against the wall. We'll laser yeah. the tits and we'll get out. Tit lasering. Yeah. That's, that's what this episode is. Uh, <laughs> shall we get into the recap? Let's do it. All right. We start off with Maeve filming Dawn of the seven in one of the all time cheesiest coming out scenes in history. Uh, they, when they cut, she tries to get Homelander to stop tormenting her, but he won't. Uh, Ashley has this video of Homelander lasering someone. I I don't know where this is. Is this supposed to be something we've seen before or just an unconnected it, incident? I, no, I think it's happened. Like, uh, I think they set it up that Homelander feels like he's losing the PR war to um, Stormfront. So he goes on an unlicensed overseas adventure to bring justice to some terrorist. And since he doesn't have the PR backing and the intelligence, he just goofs it up. Because he cops that like I needed a win. I needed a win. Well, now he's so. Yeah, I think he just like popped over to like Afghanistan or Pakistan or Uzbekistan or Syria and just lasered some dude. Wow. Um, Uh, Anyway, uh, Ashley's got a video of this and there have been protests happening because of it. And Stan Edgar does not want Homelander doing any press about it because he's just going to fuck it up more. uh, Stormfront offers her help, but Homelander turns her down. Yeah, no, they're really ramping up the psychosexual, uh, psychosexual tension. They're um, really ramping up the the shots they're taking of people too. Like Joss Whedon gets blasted in this scene. What? What for? They they say the like when Maeve comes out of that scene, he's, the director's like, "Oh, that was awesome!" Like, uh, she's like, oh, "Whatever, it, it's fine." And he's like, "Oh, the Joss rewrites really punch that one up, huh?" And I'm like, "Okay, oh, a, it's wow. a Marvel thing, you know, reference, uh-huh. but." B, they're taking a big swing at Joss Whedon there, because that's yeah, Josh Whedon, that's worse I, than anything I've seen. Yeah, Joss no, Whedon do by I, far. I, yeah, but I think a lot of Joss, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, whatever. I think a lot of people are going back and looking at his work in the uh-huh. '90s with like Buffy and like and, uh, not and even when I I went back and watched Firefly a couple years back. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot more sexist than I remember. Um, so were the 90s. So when his reputa- like nobody remembers no. that either. <laughs> like you're right, you're right. And then he also like turns out like in his private life was like you know cheating on some people he probably shouldn't be cheating on. It's uh, yeah, people are. You oh, know, I didn't. Uh, know if you set yourself up to be the champion of women and writing strong female characters, and then when you you retrospect, it's like eh, did you really? It's uh, yeah. So they're 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 kicking him wise down for sure. Yeah, but I, no, this stuff is like the fact that Homelander is doing. Making her engage in this terrible lesbian outreach um, mm. as a way of just controlling her—it's—it's it's, you know pretty pretty gross uh, for for a lot of different reasons and how facetious he is with it too. Yeah, it really feels like he's just being childish, trying to get back at her because she hurt his feelings or something, um, which yeah. is not out of his character at all. No, but uh, also like homeless, you know, uh, to the feedback we got last week. Um, you know, Homelander losing 9.5 percentage points in approval is like physically painful to him. Mm-hmm. I would not have actually guessed that he cared this much about his public image until this episode made it explicit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he must really need that fucking narcissistic supply we talked about last week. 
Uh, next scene is Butcher drinking alone at a heavy metal concert. He picks a fight with the biggest guy in the room and gets the shit beat out of him by the rest of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does take that guy down, though. He sucker yeah. punches him. Mm-hmm. And not like he's getting his ass kicked, but like he's enjoying it. Not real. Yeah. Like this is uh, therapy for him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so then he goes shopping for first aid supplies, which is just Tylenol or something. Uh, and a, ba- a bag of frozen peas to put on his face. Uh-huh. Uh, Huey calls up to tell him that Liberty is Stormfront. They found that out last episode. Uh, Butcher mm-hmm. doesn't sound great. And Huey's sad that he didn't say goodbye, I guess. Um, so Butcher apologizes kind of in that Butcher way. Although a little a little more softly this time, a little more sincerely. Uh, and then says goodbye by destroying his SIM card. He drops that you're my canary kind of mystery because if he yeah. uh, you know that that gives that gives him something that like a, of a mystery that mother and him can solve which i thought was nice you know that like huey i i don't know like i this episode actually did a lot for me to bring like butcher and huey believably together like it's an invented oh, plot yeah. point but like the fact that like Butcher had a little brother that he lost along the way was very protective that like apparently physically yep. and mannerisms reminds him of Huey uh, that like for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's because I had a little brother that I was kind of protective of myself. Um, but it instantly just kind of clicked for me. It's like, oh, this yep. is an entirely believable. I their relationship now fully makes sense. And I, and, and I guess like it, it does did for Huey too because it feels like the way he's interfacing and yeah. working with Butcher is at a completely different level in this episode. And you needed to get that from someone other than Butcher, right? Butcher was never ever going to bring that up, not a million years. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of like the first opportunity. Yeah, it feels like oh they're just dropping this plot point in here because they want to unite them, but also yeah, I don't know where you'd get this information other than someone who knows Butcher from childhood. Yeah, which we haven't seen until now, so. Yeah, some of this feels a little low-key lifted off of the Fast and Furious franchise because they did with Jason Statham's mother, who's played by Helen Mirren, and she's a gangster too. And like okay. these are literally the same characters. But I, if this is in the comic book, that might predate it. But also, like this yeah, shit, yeah. this mashup culture, like you know, what 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 is even plagiarism anymore, mm. Jim? You know, uh, <laughs> borrowing th- this stuff from them. Like I guess it's all it's all fair game. But uh, sure. you're right. You needed some third party to honest broker this thing between them, and, and the cool ant is is uh, as good a choice as any. I'm not even sure M.M. has that information, uh, even though he's known Butcher a lot longer. This, Probably this goes not. further back. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, speaking of M.M., Huey tells him that uh, he thinks Butcher is doing uh, isn't doing well because he was nice on the phone. Uh, and M.M.'s curious. He wants to know more about it. Did you see that M.M. was watching uh, Outlander, widely considered, you know? No. Is that what that women's, was? I women's Entertainment, was yeah. Kind of ashamed yeah. of watching it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It'd be hmm. like uh, Outlander or um, Downton Abbey if you wanted to shame a conventionally masculine character's t- television choices. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Gilmore Girls. I'm a Just fan sure. of all of them except for Outlander. Cecily watches it. I, I, Outlander is incomprehensible to me. I've never seen it. That's the, is that the time travel one? Or am yeah, I thinking of like, yeah. Okay. It's like World War One nurse time travels back to Scotland. There's tons of sex and mm-hmm. bondage and stuff. It's yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, Frenchie follows Kamiko down the street. Just real quick shot of him following her. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's then more filming of this awful movie. Uh, the the g- girls are getting it done by teaming up to go to a tower and get a flash drive. Uh, they cut and they want they want to redo the scene with Starlight actually pretending to like Stormfront. And we get yeah, she says. I, I thought th- this is interesting because like. I thought one of the things that would be interesting for them to play with is the fact that the superheroes themselves are not necessarily the best actors, mm-hmm. but they're not doing that. Like these are all actors and they can as, uh, apparently act, which is, I thought they might do something like um, for every time you get a guy like Michael Jordan or uh, um, LeBron James is really good at this too. Like being a personality, you know, sometimes you get guys like Mike Tyson who just doesn't got that gear, you know? Um, you, you have guys like uh, like Peyton Manning's really funny, um, but then a lot a lot of other people are not. You know, like the, the, you either got it or you don't. And I thought they might play with some of these guys just being really labored, but no, they all act like pros, um, except for maybe Starlight. So I thought it was kind of yeah. I thought it was pretty quick thinking on her part um, to like pivot to like no, I just really amazed at your natural acting performance. Um, yeah, it's the the elephant in the room here with this movie is that it's called Dawn of the Seven, and they're mm-hmm. missing like half the seven. I and and Starlight's yeah. in it, and Starlight wasn't a thing. She didn't dawn with the seven. Uh, the deep's not in there. Um, the dawn of the seven starts with A Train leaving the seven. I mm-hmm. that none of this makes sense. This movie is a piece of garbage uh, that should it, be it torn actually, to shreds in the fandom. It kind of works as commentary on the DC film thing that it's like ill-advised, <laughs> doesn't make sense. The character yeah. introductions are rushed. They the order the things come out is bizarre. They don't naturally organically build it. It's not the actual. T- yeah, yeah, I felt like there's a lot of that stuff that works as kind of like criticism of of DC as a whole. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. You know, Marvel's the, the having said that, it looks like. Looks like Example Marvel's doing a little right. bit of floundering right now, and DC might be the ones that uh, can do some fresh takes on characters and and uh, turn things around. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. One twenty twenty. What a wild world! Does not make a franchise. That's true. <laughs> Batman That's true. has always been consistently good. We well, no, okay. Yeah. There's yeah. there's a, a movie or two <laughs> that may or may not be satire. Uh, sure. There in the nineties, that was bad, but like. Batman feels like there's been so many iterations of him, and I think this yeah. is what DC's strength is, is that one bad one can't sink his character. Like, because we know what b- good Batman looks like. Sure. And you can poke fun at Batman, like Adam West did currently. Like, I'm in the middle of watching HBO's Harley Quinn series and having an enormous amount of fun with that. I thought that movie was also successful because it's another way that, like, you know, Batman doesn't have to be grim. He can kind of be funny, too, if mm-hmm. he's in the right setting. Like, DC has that kind of multiverse built into it that they could make hay with but we'll we'll see yeah we'll see uh, i like the cameo here by greg grunberg who was in basically everything that i like on television that's jj abrams cinema. partner too isn't he like yeah, writing partner yeah. uh-huh. so so they were so. he was back when i first learned who greg grunberg was it was in lost he was one of the pilots he was a uh in the early goings of that which is one of jj mm-hmm. abrams early works you know Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was also like in Star Wars, like he was a mm-hmm. fighter pilot, X-wing pilot. Yeah, he's yeah. he's in the background of a lot of this stuff. Yep, that's cool to see him. Uh, so the deep got married, as reported on the news. We'll get to more of that later. 
but Butcher shows up at his aunt's house. He takes his pitbull for a walk while trying to figure out what his life has been for up until now. Having a bit of an existential crisis. Yeah, they do a lot of painting in his backstory. The fact you find that he's got a mom and dad. His dad's dying of cancer, but Butcher doesn't give it. Not fast enough for Butcher. So apparently yeah. the relationship he has with his mom and dad is very strained. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true of all his relationships. He's got this English bulldog that like, I'm trying to do the math on this. It's Becca, like this dog has a relationship with Becca. Mm-hmm. Which is like clearly 16 hasn't been... years or something. Yeah, like how old is Ryan? 12, 13, 14? This is an old fucking bulldog. They get it as a as a yeah. puppy. And uh, I, I feel like uh, no one no one did a no one did a lot of dog ear counting when they did <laughs> some of this other plotting. Uh, but yeah, he's got a dog. His name's Terror, and he's apparently a very geriatric, uh, old and long in the tooth bulldog, but still sure. spry somehow. I don't know. Um, but then we go back to the Dawn of the Seven with A Train rewriting his exit scene to be less final, uh, more open ended. The director shoots down his changes. A Train is like, "Fine, I'm not doing the scene at all. I'm not going to say these lines." The director tells him to take it up with Ashley. Um, he yeah, doesn't way say above my pay grade because I know where yeah. these rewrites came from, and they <laughs> they yeah. came from Homelander, obviously came from Stormfront, but majority of them from Stormfront, seemingly. Oh, you think Stormfront? Okay, because I I figured that uh, Homelander is the one's got the boner for A Train. You're, but you're right, because that that's the other thing I thought is like, well, the Dawn of the Seven. Why is Stormfront involved in this at all? But yeah, apparently they're rewriting it to where I don't know. Like, is it? But I, I don't know. They've always made this to where it's lightly fictionalized. So, yeah. and you're you know, right. I'm, I'm sure Homelander story? was more involved in the scene of rewriting A Train out. Uh, right. But yeah, I I just remember Stormfront had that script that was just marked oh, to but hell Stormfront back. would that's right Stormfront would want it because she's racist yeah she doesn't want to share the get seven with uh a, a, a get yeah i forgot that yeah she'd probably if not the instigator would be the one that's like certainly um moving and shaking to get the 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 seven a little bit more whiter a little less representative yeah they do have that scene later on uh where she <laughs> does more than hint at that oh yeah oh yeah uh but we'll get there uh, there's some uh, a quick shot of Katie Couric interviewing the Deep after his marriage, and they're you know discussing, uh, I guess the elephant in that room, which they they seem to think is like the history that the Deep has, but she wants to know about mm. the church, I guess. Mm. Yeah, because she's like, it seems like that she's doing her job and providing a smokescreen for like, hey, he's yeah, he's had his trouble, but like you yeah. know, he's got new religion and he's treating me so well and trying to rehabilitate the image, which, you know, that's, this is basic kind of like PR stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, change the story. If you don't like the story, change the story. And that's what he's yeah. trying to do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the church is the perfect tool for that, right? Like, I guess what's, what's going to be more <laughs> controversial than a superhero joining a cult, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, there are some, Eastern European guys, I don't know exactly where they're from, arguing about the historical accuracy of Hamilton. When mm-hmm. Kamiko shows up, she rips the face clean off of one guy and kills the other Damn. two. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and Frenchie continues to follow her. I, That's wild, man. <laughs> Getting your was. face ripped off. 
Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want it to happen. I was associated with like something a chimpanzee. You know, mm-hmm. you always hear like a like when a chimpanzee goes bad, it, like uh, like like even the the worst of us when you're trying to fight, we don't think of like just ripping people's face or genitals off, and that's like a chimpanzee's primary target because it turns out mm-hmm. really sucks to have your fucking face ripped off. Or your um, genitals, it, yeah, both. Or your genitals. It and it it looked just horrific. It looked like, yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you're a lot more steeped in this than I am, but like, I I feel like that's like uh, half of the horror movie covers, mm. um, in the '80s, where someone's face getting you know ripped off and just kind of staring out there, lidless eyes at you. Yeah. Um, whew. absolutely. It's a bad week for lidless eyes between this and Raised by Wolves. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, so I feel like they they really missed an opportunity here, though, because Frenchie comes in right after this happens. He's uh-huh. still following her, and he looks down, and he sees the skin on the floor. I feel like it would have been much better if they just had him slip on that. Just, like, <laughs> like step right on it, it, you know, stumble a little bit, look down and see what it was, and then keep going. But yeah, I don't know. It, it was still still very good the way they did it. We found that she doesn't, like, she trucks bull, uh, gunshot wounds, like, no problem. Yeah. Um, and also, I really liked seeing that she had like pistol whipped a dude so hard that the the grip of the pistol had embedded into his eye socket. Mm-hmm. Like, whew, Kamiko, you don't want her on your bad side. No, you don't. Uh, so then Huey and MMM show up at Butcher's aunt's house. He tries to get him to leave, but they won't. So Butcher decides he's going to leave instead. As he's getting into his car, he sees Black Noir watching him from a rooftop across the street. And he goes back into the house and locks it down, explaining the the whole Becca situation to the rest of the boys. Uh, they decide they're going to call the fire department for cover while MM makes IEDs. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff here. The fact that like Butcher just can't be honest about the fact that his wife, you know, cut him out. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Aunt Judy saying that that's uh, that's Tara's <laughs> girlfriend, dear. And uh, then him like like what? And she's like the the instant escalation to like that's his fuck pig. Uh, <laughs> like she tries a polite term, and then from there just goes ah, you know what? It's let's just call a spade a spade. It's a fuck pig. Yep, I love that. Also, I don't know if this is intentional, but Black Noir hiding out on this waspy <laughs> little uh, neighborhood in broad daylight in his ninja Batman gear is yeah. high comedy. I laughed out loud at him kind of being up on that roof. Teehee. I'm, I am the shadows and the night. Teehee. It's, yeah, it's really funny. I mean, it, it doesn't take away from his menace at all, but the juxtaposition is, is hilarious to me. Absolutely. Uh, I was surprised to learn that he's faster than a car. Like I, I guess I didn't realize that he had those kind of powers. I don't know if that's his utility belt and his grappling hook and his other yeah. Batman gear or what, but, I wondered the same too. Like, what exactly? Yeah, super strong. Yep, super uh-huh. tough and resilient. And the mutant healing factor, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, being like literally, like, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of overlap because the Homelander yeah. is super fucking fast too. We find it in this episode. That's an uh, A train defining feature. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, uh, yeah. th- that's kind of a problem if you're A train. Of course, you know, that's I guess that's why also maybe they're replaceable because it yeah. It seemed like there's been more A-Trains because they, they talked about like three different versions of the fast guy that they always have on the team. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of the reasons like him and the deep are always on the bubble because like, you know what? We're all pretty fucking fast and you can talk to fish. 
Wow. Nobody else can talk to fish, though. Where are you going to be when you need me to talk to fish, huh? Right, right, right. Um, It'd be like if everyone could also communicate from fish, but just not as a great as a range, you know? Right. You're really splitting the powers pretty pretty fine here, too. Uh, So then Annie sees her mother at the craft tent uh, talking to Stormfront. Turns out they have talked about the Compound V situation, and her mother is ready to make amends for lying to her all these years. Stormfront says something here that makes Annie realize, or it's a look or something that makes Annie realize she knows about the Compound V leak and that she was the one who did that. Yeah, yeah. I. Why, why is Stormfront inserting herself in this situation? Um, I guess with the hindsight of seeing the whole episode, it's probably because she wanted to have some kind of confrontation with Stormfront, uh, not Stormfront, um, Starlight, Starlight mm-hmm. so that she could, you know spring this trap on her, this confidence trap. Yeah, I mean, she's embedding herself thoroughly into the seven, right? This episode was all about embedding herself, and last episode, to a degree, was about embedding herself with Homelander, uh, winning his good graces, and I think, like... And not even that good might graces, be her mission. setting something up, yeah, so setting some dependency up. Yeah, she might. this might be her assignment, right? I mean, Stan Edgar picked her, uh, made her You're part right. of the seven himself. So she might be there specifically to get into all of their dirty laundry. And, and we also out. know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, they know all about her extracurricular stuff too, because as Huey said, they've been moving her around like the Catholic church moves pedophile priests. Like, yeah, you know, they're deliberately, they know that she's a known quantity and she's being pushed to the seven. Now. Why? Um, you're right. She might actually have orders from the top. Yeah. Um, I, I like this scene with her mother. Like, I, I get that Starlight is resistant to accepting uh, an apology. It's a, it's a big betrayal that's happened. But uh, she's not even apologizing. She's like, well, lots of parents did it. You know, it's a way to easily get ahead through your ch- child. I, I, I fucking hate her mom, man. Huh. Okay. Um, I thought there was a, a partial explanation uh, and a partial apology here. Um. I don't know. Like, I don't think just coming in and saying I'm sorry is going to fix everything. Uh, sure. This is going to be a process. Maybe this first volley was unsuccessful. It definitely was unsuccessful, but maybe it was ill-advised. Uh, maybe it didn't go off exactly how she wanted it to, but I don't know. She's trying to do something here. Which she is, is trying. Better than she nothing, I guess. Yeah. But like, you know, Starlight says, it's like she's trying to build a bridge that I don't want, you know. Sure. She's trying to yeah. the, the mend the fence that I want to remain torn down. So, yeah, we, we will see. Uh, all right. Maeve is pitched on an image makeover focused around her sexual orientation. And it, this includes Elena in the whole thing. And Elena is completely uninterested. And she's bothered by Maeve's silence on the whole thing. So she leaves. And when she does, Maeve follows her and tells her that they have no choice but to play along with this because of Homelander. But she also promises we're going to take him down. Yeah, they do a lot of like, um, you know, I guess I'm on board generally with corporate America embracing LGBT causes because it's better than being actively hostile against it. But this is the other side that it's just mercantile. It's market tested. It's it's disingenuous. It's also like in their rush to promote these gay relationships, they're erasing by people because it turns out May's not gay. She's bisexual. Um, And then to sell this, they have to have Maeve looking very feminine, waving a rainbow uh, uh, 
a rainbow flag and they're butching up her girlfriend Mm -hmm. to kind of like just fit into this other kind of like lightly hammered out gender role. It's really, I mean, like it's, it's really, it's really good cultural critique. um, And it works on like multiple different levels, but then underpinning everything is just the quiet desperation of like, my God, we have to play along with this or this madman will kill us. He'll roast us alive. Yeah, no, it's it's of a piece with what they're doing with Stormfront, I think, because if you look at that situation, uh, Stan Edgar, a black man, has put Stormfront, a, a noted racist, into a position of of power in order to serve his business and financial purposes, regardless of how he might personally feel about that. It's yeah, which that's what I've the, another question I had is like. What's Stormfront going to do? Because, you know, like, it seems like, like, you're right. Her racial motive, her racial ideology cannot be consistent with, like, taking orders from this guy. Like, what's his plan? He's got, a, yeah, at this point, he's got, he needs an anti-Homelander plan. He needs an anti-Stormfront plan. If Stormfront's his anti-Homelander plan, then it's like the episode yeah. of The Simpsons where, like, an invasive species gets out. It's like, well, we got cats to eat the birds and... There's snakes to eat the cats, and we found a rare type of uh, ape that thrives on on snake meat. Well, what do you do with the, when the the apes go out or run amok? Oh well, sure. They, they freeze to death in the winter. Like he's he's got to have some plans and contingencies. And I thing is, is like with Giancarlo Esposito, just with the sheer force of will and his previous characters, I believe that he does. Like I believe yeah, that yeah. he's like the Batman. He's he's prepared for. He's got the kryptonite bullet for what when Superman goes rogue. Uh, and I'm, that's, that's a lot of the, the, lot of the, the drama this season is waiting for that shoe to fucking drop. Yeah. And I guess my, my larger point on that is that he's putting profit ahead of whatever his Mm. personal feelings might be on a thing. Um, you know, much, much the same way as like they're trying to push on, uh, Maeve here. Right. Right. Like, oh, we need to remake the image and we're going to latch on to this very personal thing about you. Uh, and we're going to play it for all it's worth. I don't know. Stan Edgar seems to be doing that to remake the seven in this new yeah, era. It's like, it's like OJ. I'm not, I'm not black. I'm OJ. It's like Michael Jordan, you <laughs> right. know, Republicans buy sneakers. Like, you yeah. know, it's sometimes people do put, put money ahead of, uh, you know, uh, the, well, they just don't prioritize the, the, the other things. But the end of the scene has me super jazzed for what might, might come of it uh i don't know why she goes to the deep to ask for help with this but her promise that they're going to take him down take homelander down is exciting um i don't know what that looks like i'm hoping mave has an actual plan and it's not just like make this up as i go along and hope for the best because that might not work out for her no Uh, but i yeah at this point i don't need much motivation to root for a girl squad to take down homelander absolutely uh, so Huey arms the IEDs while the fire department mills around outside. Butcher decides he's going to go outside, sacrificing himself to Black Noir in order to buy them a chance to leave. Huey's not impressed with his macho suicide plan, tells him, look, just suck it up. We've all lost a bunch. Uh, Butcher goes off on him, threatens to kick his ass when he won't move, but M.M. shows up and he's got his back. Kind of- Man, the, there's some really good dialogue here. I, I yeah. love the butcherisms, the... Oh, expecting a happy ending, are we? It ain't that kind of massage parlor. Uh-huh. Uh, that's really funny. And 
you know, Butcher saying, don't make me move him and mother's milk coming in. He's like, well, you can move him, but good luck with me. And he's got all this like, you know, MacGyver wire wrapped around him. That shit's <laughs> that's 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 good stuff. That's good yeah. stuff. Uh, it's pretty badass dialogue. Um, you know, and like Huey really, you know, tugs on Superman's cape here by going right at the Becca situation, you know, yeah, and trying does. to and trying to like. Hey, look, man, we get it. You're as pathetic as the rest of us. Like, that's not what Butcher wants to hear, uh, no. especially coming. And and it makes so much sense when we later find out about the baby brother situation, um, why he doesn't just break Huey's neck and also why that really hits him home. Like your baby brother kind of calling you out on some things has got to be yeah. uh, something tough to something tough to take. So he's dealing with a lot of stuff in this and it's a really well written, well acted scene. Yeah, and uh, they're continuing the to, Man. you know, show that the the boys, you know, are have got each other's backs. Um, that that stuff with him coming at the end is is minor, but it's like reinforcing the idea that they're coming together as a group, and the butcher is still like the odd man out when it comes to that, and needs to get on board with it. Yeah, um, and I'm glad they also mentioned Robin because I felt like yeah. there's there's in the margins like God damn, they just. That was his girlfriend, right? He cared about her, and it's just in. And Starlight's a rebound, right? I'm, I'm just uh-huh. a. I'm glad that they mentioned that he's still fucked up about that, and uh, that's something that you always got to adjust your grade of of how Huey's dealing with it. Because damn, he went from zero to sixty real fucking fast, zero to a hundred. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like that they actually called back to that, even though I, I kind of wish it was more of part of his character. Um, but. It's it's nice that they're actually giving lip service to it anyway. Uh, Frenchie follows Kamiko into a church where she picks up info on her next target. He finds out that she's been working as an assassin for his prostitute therapist. I don't know, Cherry side piece, yeah, Cherry. Uh-huh. I, I don't know how to say it. Uh, he begs her to stop, and they get into an argument with that he can't understand actually, uh, and it ends with him saying "fuck you" and her taking the next hit job. Uh, how do yeah, they know the fuck, each other? Frenchie? Is this just like a remnant of them using the gun runners and the, the drug runners and stuff? And she's part of that and she got Maybe, to know Kamiko through it? Yeah, I, 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 this felt a little this felt a little disjointed because I can almost buy that Kamiko was following Frenchie the way Frenchie was following her. Okay. Um, or that she was part of the boys and just like those people were around. But she wasn't. I mean, she was... A MacGuffin last season, yeah, and she was only important to the boys to her relationship with her brother and early goings of this season. So, mm-hmm. I I was confused, but also maybe uh, Frenchie's ex girlfriend slash you know slam piece slash psychiatrist uh, is just the person you go to if you want you know uh, the hooked up. It's like uh, what's the 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 <laughs> veterinarian and. No, the veterinarian in Better Call Saul, you yeah, know, yeah. the guy that like sets up all the big jobs. Uh, maybe she's just the the go to in in New York, and yeah, uh, all kind of roads go through, and it's a coincidence. But I felt like it was a pretty big coincidence that needed some kind of like, how did you know each other? Like a line or two, and they, mm. yeah, they didn't, they didn't. It's also entirely possible that there was a connection last season, or even in the margins of this season. I just didn't pick up on. But I did feel like it was a little disjointed. Yeah, maybe, maybe she's like the Al Swearingen from uh, from <laughs> yeah John Wick, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's, she's a facilitator. 
Yeah, she's a facilitator. Yeah. Uh, okay, The Deep does a commercial for the Church of the Collective, which A-Train watches, thinks it's bullshit. Uh, Stormfront insinuates some racist shit about the purity of the church, which which pisses him off. And then Ashley tries to talk to A-Train, uh, talk him into doing the scene as written. And in order to accomplish that, she has to threaten to fire him for breach of contract. Uh, he does the scene and they just quickly move on. It's uh, it's wild because away. they're... Are they going to take all the... Is that Maeve's plan is to take all the disaffected cast-offs of, you know, like maybe that lamplighter also has yeah. got forced out and, and team up against Homelander? Because giving A-Train this scene with Stormfront on the way out is doesn't make sense to me narratively. Like, who cares if he finds out that she's a violent racist? Yeah. Um, no, and he's, he's got this relationship going... with Annie. I, I think, like, yeah, there's going to be some coalition here between... Although, it's it's all, like, the B tiers, right? Like, the Deep and A-Train, a, a, a yeah. superhero who's the fastest man but can't run now. The Deep can talk to fish. Starlight is, like, third Yeah, it is a fiddle. ragtag misfit. You know the Goonies slash Dirty Dozen. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not the the bravest and finest. They're just the people that that answer the call. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I can see the Avengers assembling here. It's just it's taking its its sweet time. Well, there's also kind of interesting thematically if you take Stormfront literally that some people are garbage and some people are quality, and mm. like you just invert the definitions. Like her and Homelander are quality and a train and yeah. the deep and all these are garbage well what if the garbage is actually the quality yeah. that team up to throw out the garbage i think that's something interesting they could do thematically that they've they yeah. set up the stakes for sure it's a, it's another underdog story and i think like that's kind of what the boys is in general ashley has kind of a monster scene that like i didn't fully buy like, how long has she been in this cook pressure? Like, she was just a personal assistant to somebody. Yeah. Um, and now she's talking about, like, I don't know. She fucked a guy with elephantitis because she went on a bender for some stress yeah. position and stuff. Like, I, I, yeah, like, it felt all fake. Like, when did you do all this? You didn't do all this. Right. Yeah, I, I don't buy that that's her character. I, also, I don't like that line. I think it's stupid. It comes, It's a non sequitur. It comes out of nowhere. It's not like the mm-hmm. Pippi Longstocking thing where they build it up, you know? Um, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it was stupid. Um, I did, too. I did, too. Don't like it. Don't, didn't like it. One thing I did love is that A-Train, he's doing this final scene where he's giving this speech, uh, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm leaving the seven or whatever. And it, it, the Homelander turns around that it's not even Homelander. It's his stand-in. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> Which, not even there to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't even be there. Couldn't be bothered. And then they just kick him. They're like, oh, th- that was great. If you want another, we'll do it. And he's like, no, I think I got it. Okay, on to the next thing. He's just garbage, mm-hmm. right? He's done. It is pretty good garbage writing, though. Like some of that, uh, <laughs> you know, thing is, I've been running my whole life. It's time for me to stay put for a while. Mm-hmm. No, it's the dawn of seven, but it's sunset for the A train. Jesus, it's it's really good, trashy, cheesy dialogue. Yes, it must have been a lot of fun to write and to shoot and to act. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and, and the fact really, that Homelander's not even Homelander. Oh my god, it it shows like the I don't know. It's it's an on screen demonstration of like bad writing versus good writing, and how you know they can slip from that right into the next scene, which is really good writing. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know this crew can do both of those things. 
just a train emoting the bitterness of like his send off being this much of a like oh yeah one take okay it's yeah it's good it's good did you need mm-hmm. anything yeah it's he's such an afterthought so homelander lands at the protest and takes the mic with ashley watching on the news and she's freaking out he tries mm-hmm. to explain to the crowd that sacrifices have to be made for freedom but the crowd gets unruly and there's a soldier who gives him the finger and in return the crowd gets a laser which is just fucking devastating. Turns out it's all fantasy, and instead of lasering the crowd, he just flies off. Man, this scene. Uh, so they've they've been established this in the background as kind of I think as an AOC type. Okay. Uh, this Congressman, Congressman Newman, yeah. um, and they and I, I felt like even more they they leaned into that. Although, although she's I think supposed to be older than Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, but she's like, yo, I, you're the viral video of you dancing like an Egyptian blew up kind of a reference to the viral video of, uh, her doing some kind of, I don't know, college thing that was where she was dancing happily. Um, I, I, okay. I, I, I don't, but like kind of like just kind of this young, um, uh, woman squad type woman that's, that's causing problems for the establishment in this case, superheroes I is is in enjoy and then i just think this is a monster anthony star scene yeah like there's something really chilling about the casual way when i was watching this a second time like he's still holding the microphone and just lasering the shit out of people and towards the end of it he lets out this kind of like primal roar while he's doing it i mean yeah. the special effects are doing a lot of heavy lifting but like yeah and then you see the aftermath of all these burning corpses stacked on top of each other and the, the widescreen of it cutting through the crowd or that the, overhead the wide shot angle is fucking ferocious i yeah <sighs> I, my mind was blown when this happened and i yeah I, and i'm trying to half think of, of me wishes they hadn't walked it back but that my brain understands like they needed to yeah and it's like yeah the crowd is being cordoned off by like these walls of corpses that are being instantaneously created it, it's really yeah. As bad as the first scene was, where he just casually lasers through somebody and then takes off, this is a a, a thousand times worse. But then, you know, I, like I said, that's a big reach when you're doing this big acting where you're literally roaring. It's it's hard even as a villain to get away with that. You need a like a really monstrous like uh, Ray Fiennes gets away with doing this with fucking Voldemort a lot in Harry Potter. Um, yeah. This is about the most grounded psychotic roar I've ever seen out of somebody. And again, Anthony Starr, what a what a fucking monster. Yeah, he's incredible. But, uh, and he's so versatile. Like they're asking him to do so many things in in all of his episodes. It's yeah, uh, an actor of less caliber. Uh, and, you know, this guy hasn't done a ton of stuff that's been high profile. But right, man, right. he deserves to because he's killing it. Yeah, he's so great in Banshee. He's so good in this. And the the thing when what I really got out of the first watch is when he jets off and the crowd just erupts in a roar of their own. That's super dangerous for Homelander because like the crowd thinks they beat him. Yeah. They've run him off. They have power. Um, I don't know how much that helps you in an actual war against Homelander. But, you know, the fact that this guy can, you know, be kind of repelled is has got to be a shot in the arm for the the resistance, I guess. Um, yeah. And that smile is just around. like stretched over his face the whole time when he knows he's losing this. Right. And, and yet he has to keep on the face as if he's just given the speech that's going to calm everyone down and everything's OK now. Right before he flies off yeah. and freaks the fuck out. 
And you wonder, like, if this soldier has been, was he watching the Periscope? Was he one of the 3.4 million watching Stormfront blow up Homelander's bot that he's not actually filming these commercials overseas? He's not eating MREs. He doesn't give a shit about the troops. Like, is <laughs> this it's, it's, is this anti-propaganda propaganda seeping through? And that's why he says, you don't speak for me. That's pretty good stuff. It's such a, a, so this is what they're going for. But that scene where they're filming that, that ad uh, with the military mm-hmm. and Stormfront mm-hmm. is like periscoping it and saying, oh, this is all mm-hmm. just a set. They're not in the desert. That might be the same soldier from that scene. And the fact that I don't know is kind of the point, right? Like the military is featuring in that only as a prop for the rest yeah. of these superheroes. So I like I wouldn't recognize him because he's on screen for like half a second and the camera cuts him off most of the time. This might be the yeah, same guy. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to Black Noir, still waiting when the fire department pulls away. Uh, the boys go down to aunt, <laughs> to their aunt's taffy room, which is her drug den, actually. I I don't know. Taffy room is such a good name for this. Is that a thing? Uh, it is. I don't know, man. But I if I, I wish if I had a den like this, I'd start calling it my taffy room. <laughs> her her affordative her affordative affordable alternative to healthcare. <laughs> yes. Yes. Privatized healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I, I don't, there's something about like in that weeds sort of sense, like something about the the old lady who's running the drug operation out of her home. Her, you know, the the perceived image versus who she actually is that I love. Sure. Oh, real quick before we move on, there's a, a quick is scene in the last where Homelander's jetting off when she's watching his performance where she runs her fingers through her hair and she's like losing her hair. Literally tears is her she, hair out. Yeah, well, she like because uh, there's this big thing on like uh, Twitch where they say people are malding, where you get so mad that you're bald, you're 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 losing your hair, you, you go bald, you're malding. Um, is she malding or, you know, that lo- losing your hair is sometimes like uh, like coughing up blood in the movie. It's a signature to just something else going on. Are they doing? Is there something that they might be doing with like a, a Doctor Manhattan plot where like long term exposure, secondhand to Compound V can be harmful to people? Oh, interesting. Uh, I because is she literally that? pulling thought, her hair out? I thought she it was uh, just a joke about her literally tearing her hair out, trying to keep wraps hmm. on Homelander. Uh, uh, I, I went to like, there's there's something, some greater fulfillment to this. Could be. Uh, especially the way the camera lingered on it. Uh, so Homelander watches the video of his protest performance and has a lot of trouble holding it together. He goes to Stormfront for advice and she gives him a bunch of memes that she hopes his uncle will post on Facebook. Yeah. Um, who Who is Stormfront on the phone with? Someone in Scrubs? Know. Talking about Talking a boy about... who's a hero. Uh... Yeah. Like, was she supposed to be there, uh, like, um, you know, doing some kind of photo op and like a, a wish for kids she blew off? It's another thing ha- I thought was a little sloppy. Like, was that, was that supposed to be referencing the guy that the, the, it might have been a kid. It might have been a dude. I don't know that um, Homelander had no. lasered in that video, Maybe. and she's like arranging with the protesters or something. Yeah, it's because like they they shot to the, they went to the other guy's side to establish that he's a doctor and scrubs and like lingered on him like we're supposed to remember his face. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like they're they we're we're supposed to no- take notice of him. And I I thought I was like, was hmm. there some kind of plot last episode where? You know, there's one person that's alive 
after her rampage. I I, I don't know, but I, I didn't quite get that establishing shot, and it'll probably be filled out for us later on. Um, yeah, you could be yeah. right. Um, it might be something she like sets, that. She sets Homelander up with a bunch of fucking uh, fake news memes. Yeah. Yeah. And these are just, I also like the lines, like, these are just, this is just a start. I'll have what's-his-face really punch up to fear. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't quite weaponized it, you know. Yeah. Uh, the boys waited out in the taffy room. Huey finds out the butcher had a little brother who was a lot like Huey. Uh, the aunt, auntie. I don't know her name, actually. Judy. Um, aunt Judy. Okay. Uh, Judy tells him a story about Lenny keeping Lenny, who's his butcher's little brother, uh, keeping mm-hmm. butcher from killing a kid out of anger when they were young. Uh, the IEDs start going off just then, and Black Noir smokes them out. Uh, Butcher decides he's going to stay behind to cover the rest of their escape. The boys come together instead and get their asses kicked by Black Noir. Uh, They're all about to die when Butcher decides he's going to play his trump card here. Photos of Homelander's son. He threatens to release them. Uh, So Stan Egger calls. I I guess he's got he's got a camera on Black Noir at all times. Uh, Did you tell where is that camera? No idea. The crotch right on the crotch. Yeah, man, the the they they zoomed. Out. I I froze frame, and I'm like, is this on his knuckle? Is this on his <laughs> collarbone? Is this his actual like weird spider eye? From I don't know where the fuck that camera is, but it's somewhere. And yeah. I wonder if do all of the are, are all the heroes wired and mic'd up like that? And do they know it? That's a good question. Uh, like why Black Noir clearly knows it, right? Uh, or yeah. if he didn't, he knows it now. <laughs> like I wonder if he's a little bit more in the fold you know, than some yeah. of the others are like, you know, where Homelander has enough independence to consider stepping out. Like what's home, what's black noir's deal that he can't conceive of that. Um, I will uh, say that I thought it was a very effective way to build tension, those heavy footsteps and then the explosions yeah. and then long pause, more heavy footsteps and more explosions like that. You, it really like without seeing it like sold, you know, Black Noir, not that we needed to, but really sold him as this unstoppable thing that it, it's just it made a matter me of time. wonder what the house looked like. <laughs> like as those explosions <laughs> yeah. are going off, I'm thinking, neighbors, the house must be insane right now. Black, yeah, no- What does yeah. Black Noir look like? And they show that, which I thought was awesome. You know, they show it all. Yeah. Uh, all but he's got shrapnel. all the shrapnel could just covered head to toe in shrapnel. Looks like a goddamn hedgehog. Yeah, no, it uh, looks like it's, Hellraiser. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Now, I, Butcher's bluffing. He doesn't have this stuff, right? right. Yeah, and he gives okay, that you know that acknowledgement to to uh, Huey later uh, at the end of this scene. But yeah, it works. Uh, Stan Edgar makes the deal with Butcher over the phone, uh, and and I was happy to see later that uh, the neighbors do actually call the fire department back because they had left, and so mm-hmm. now they get called back uh, to deal with these explosions. And it's like. A kind of a good cover story, right? Because there already was an established gas leak in the neighborhood, yeah. so now you got this house that got exploded. Well, that can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the deep hands out books to the hungry homeless. Uh, they <laughs> are less than thrilled. Can't eat a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maeve shows up and offers to vouch for him uh, getting back into the seven if he will help her with something that you know is part of her plan to take down Homelander. I assume but we don't really yeah, get what, any info. What what in the hell could it possibly be, you know? I, that involves the deep? I have no idea. Like, tarnish his reputation, get him kicked out, I guess, but 
Yeah, she's, like Homelander's only known weakness is spermaceti. <laughs> and the, the deep's going to have to crack open another sperm whale's head to get it out. Like, I, uh-huh. I don't know. It's so bizarre what what the deep, he's like the least of them. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe he knows a lot. Maybe he's got a lot of, knows where a lot of the bodies are buried. Um, Maybe. Because didn't the deep, also didn't the deep last, know, he was one of the ones that knew firsthand because he'd gone investigating the wreckage. He knew that Homelander d- killed that senator. So maybe it's a blackmail rather huh. than like, I need your help. Yeah, there's something about, you know, you're sloppy because the deep was poking around the wreckage and saw that the engine was just was neatly bisected by lasers or something. He, he's he got like the goods. Like, I, I wonder if he could like literally get that thing off the bottom of the ocean and, and prove it to the world that, oh, that the Homelander killed the, the black box, right? Yeah, yeah, you could get something. I, I wonder the black if box that records if a plane is lasered in half. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that laser well, it could alarm have the went la- off. It, it could have the last transmission. Of the captain going like, "Holy shit, Homelander's like open up fire on us!" And I don't know, absolutely. But I, I wonder that that to me is probably what they're going at because what the fuck can the deep do? No, you're right. You're right. I think that's like really good guess. Uh, it, I thought it was really funny when he's handing out these books and Maeve comes up and he's like, "Oh, you want to check it out?" She's like, "Fuck no, <laughs> yeah, fuck right. no. I have no interest in this religion." Yeah, but I can be the woman that says that you're not a piece of shit, man. Yeah. It's like, he's already got one, though, you know? It's true. He's got the paleontologist from Vassar, but maybe that's not as good as Maeve. Probably not as good as Maeve. Yeah, I mean, certainly doesn't have the clout that Maeve has. All right, Annie sneaks into Stormfront's trailer while she's out filming a scene and hacks into her computer. Uh, I use hacking in the loosest term possible. Uh, When Stormfront returns to her trailer... Annie covers by chewing her out about talking to her mother. Stormfront has figured out her entire involvement in Compound V uh, and that leak. And that's fine because Annie can threaten to reveal that she's Liberty. They all have uh, informational leverage. Stormfront seems unbothered by that whole thing, though. And Homelander shows up to thank her for advice, uh, which is. Oh, she's got the she seems I had the better winning hand. Um, I am very curious about the Sage Grove thing, you know. Yeah, there's like, a lot of emails about Sage Grove. I wonder because remember when we were watching season two of True Detective and there was this, um, you know, some kind of super secret rich white guy society in yeah. the Redwoods of California. I wonder if they're trying to gesture to that like it's kind of some kind of secret society could be um, with some kind of weird religious uh, practices or whatnot. Uh, that's the thing that I thought of. I mean, it's it's just. It's it's just a breadcrumb for for now, and I I don't have any inside information on it, but that's that's where I'm going for some kind of secret rich guy, white guy society. Yeah, uh, this scene makes me hate Stormfront even more. Uh, sure, d- 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 her attitude, ugh, ugh, disgusting. Uh, it is pretty clever. I like the frame of it being like, oh, look at you. You can act. And then when she accuses the V and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, there. The magic's gone. The performance is just not yeah. working for me anymore. It's a pretty good way to shine somebody on. Yeah. Uh, can't stand it. Can't stand it. All right. The cops show up at uh, Auntie's house. Uh, Butcher promises his dog that he'll get Becca back and says goodbye to his to his aunt. Uh, Judy and gives Huey a thankful nod as he leaves. This is kind of <laughs> the coming yeah. together, but also the ripping apart of the boys, right? Because he's going after Becca, I assume. 
I guess like I I don't really know exactly whatever's everyone's trajectory is at the end of this, but the him and Huey having a moment is something for sure. But yeah, where where this goes now, I I don't know. I feel like the boys are probably going to go investigate uh, Stormfront's background to see if they can yeah, dig up back some dirt on her. Dig up uh, some more Liberty dirt, yeah. Yeah, which you know Starlight might be able to help them with now again. Um, and then Butcher has made a solemn vow to his dog that he's going to get back back. So I assume that's where he's headed to hatch some plan there. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to, cause like the way he gets Becca back is like gets right with her superhero kid and it's right with himself. That's, gets- that's all inside. That's all inside work, man. And then yeah. how you convince someone that you've done the inside work. If you've actually really done it, that's mm-hmm. yeah. I, <laughs> with only three, what, like three episodes left too. Yeah, a lot of heavy lifting to go at the at what I think is going to be the end or climax of the season. We'll see. See how they get there. I mean, it's totally possible the butcher, you know, hatches a half baked plan and goes and executes, and it just blows up in his face. Right? Totally within the butcher wheelhouse. Oh yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that he tries to do something and ends up setting him back for sure. Yeah. And then finally, Stormfront and Homelander have super sex. She encourages him to laser her tits, and he does. And it hurts her just the right amount. Just the right amount. Takes me a couple tries violent, to get there, though. Then they have pretty vanilla, violent, super yeah, sex. Floaty, like, floaty, super sex. It's Yeah, it's pretty, pretty underwhelming. I want to see the aftermath. That's what I want. Like, okay, maybe you can't show me, like, full-on super sex, but show, show me just, like, holes in the build. Like, if she's blowing holes in the building chasing down a terrorist i want to see this tower reduced to rubble you're right by the end Her, of this yeah the casual violence to bring a low-level super terrorist uh was far eclipsed the sexual violence that we had on display here <laughs> I, where I people who both them. of them wanted to come to play yeah i want to yeah. see her i don't know lasso homelander with the lasso of truth and riding him around that apartment like a fucking stallion <laughs> yeah. uh End up yeah. in, in Starlight's uh, bedroom, just smash through yeah. the ceiling. You know, A-Train's yeah. apartment is empty. Let's go there. Let's see what we can do. I, I want to see this penthouse so wrecked I have to blame it on an act of super terrorism. You know, <laughs> like Starlight's penthouse apartment was blown to pieces in a desperate attack by... By the sex you know. toy terrorist. <laughs> so right, just right, like, right you know, uh, titanium dildos all over that place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a bad scene. Something, something. But something. like I said, I, and I thought they might get there with the lasering tits. That was pretty horrific. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it just got more and more boring and vanilla. They have not showed me the <laughs> aftermath of the tit lasering though. Like I wanted to know, does she heal super fast? They it don't seem ever like, like she was yeah. show it, show it. I, I think they implied it, but yeah, right. I want right, to see right. Yeah, because she's not invulnerable to it. Just like, because uh, yeah. I was wondering, like, if he kept going, could he just like torture her heart? What would that look like? I think so. And and if he went but, like uh, full strength, I bet he would have just cut right through her. Um, yeah, maybe. Although she did seem to goad him, and he did seem to, like really pour it on. I don't know. Like she's very, very fucking tough. Oh, he didn't let uh, out a primal scream after he lasered her tits. He didn't do that, true. Yeah. But he also wasn't nearly as frustrated. She'd brought him up by five points, and then going to bring him up the other four and a half it looks like uh <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know uh maybe, maybe this is where they're starting in every scene every episode from now they're going to have a even more crazy super sex thing going on yeah uh but uh yeah 
Pretty, well, see, pretty I, I mean, the, the sex is going to get weird, right? I mean, you've got a narcissistic god uh, with mommy mm-hmm. issues banging a hundred year old racist. Super powered white supremacist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't postmodernist social media influencer. Like, it's going to get uh-huh. fucking strange. And I want to yeah, see the, the inevitable are, conclusion. You're not wrong. And, you know, they call this the boys. It's not the uh, mature adult men, right? True. So, like, maybe we're looking for something that we're just not going to get. So, it's going to be all adolescent violence and prepubescent notions of sex. That's fair. That's fair. I think so. All right. That's it, man. That's the end of the episode. Okay, let's consider feedback. A reminder, uh, because of the nature of us releasing these things at the same date and time as the episode, this uh, this is essentially feedback one week in arrears. Um, so this is mostly about the, the previous week's uh, episode, and we'll talk about this week next week. Um, I was briefly confused about why no laser my tits emails. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. It's because I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have now. And we'll talk about what you saw last week right now. <laughs> First up is P with a longtime listener, first-time writer. Good to hear from you. You had mentioned the disingenuous nature of Stormfront and how Portland is seemingly in-your-face liberal while Oregon is very much a red state. Having lived in Oregon for the past 25 years, many of which in Portland, it's pretty common to encounter folks who are like Stormfront, i.e. putting on a show while people are watching and acting the complete opposite otherwise. But that's not the most Oregon thing on the boys this season. Back in November 1970, a sperm whale washed up on the beach in Florence, Oregon. The highway department was somehow in charge of beaches back then, decided the only logical thing to do is blow up the carcass with dynamite. I, I'm sure you see where this is going, Jim. Obviously. I mean, that, that's how I would approach a beached whale. Yeah, the explosive expert was on vacation, but they decided there wasn't time for him to return and went ahead with the demo. In their haste, they used 20 cases, about a ton of TNT, instead of his suggestion of 20 sticks. The result was a whale gut shower for everyone that went to the beach to watch the explosion for the town of Florence in general. Here's a link to some video footage of it. I've seen this before because this this comes up on Reddit from time to time as Uh kind of like, you know... uh, what else can go wrong kind of post and it's spectacular and I can't believe we didn't talk about it because it, it did kind of remind me of uh, the visuals from that from that incident. Yeah. Uh, like a ton that, of TNT on a sperm whale. I like that they only have one demolitions expert in all of Oregon um, and that when that demolitions expert is out, they just, I don't know, give Jimmy the, <laughs> Wing the it. keys to the demolitions cabinet like... Yeah, yeah. Did he say twenty cases or twenty sticks? Ah, <laughs> uh, you're better safe than sorry. And that, then they interpreted that as more dynamite. So, mm-hmm. uh, no, that's good. I, I will. Um, uh, actually, yeah, I, I, I just, just look up uh, Florence, Oregon whale explosion. It will be the first link. Uh, or Google needs to die. Um. Hannah F. says, I found the most interesting moment of the first three episodes to be that scene when Black Noir was sobbing quietly, sunken down the hallway while watching news reports about Compound V. We don't know much about his character, and I really hope they flesh him out a lot more in the season. You two have been comparing him to Batman, but I'm curious if he's more of a Deadpool type. When he survived the explosion from the Super Terrorist, his armor was weakened, yet he seemed to be fine. I really hope we get more background on him. Perhaps he was raised in a lab like Homelander, yet that scene of him crying implies a humanity and maybe even remorse over his actions. Uh... Yeah, Black Noir is an interesting cat, and we talked about that scene, right? That um, mm-hmm, briefly, it w- 
Yeah, it, it was interesting. And and you take that with the um, the rabbit uh attempted comforting of that of that child and it does paint a picture of a guy who I think is trying like I think we can rule out that he was trying to be cruel to the child with the rabbit. I think yeah, he's yeah. trying to be like a good guy. It's just that his baseline for what's normal is way the fuck off the charts, which is it's also something that they do a lot with in Batman. You know that like you know people that are close to Batman or Bruce are always remarking on how he's kind of like you know fucking crazy and all that, right? Mm-hmm. So um yeah no i i think he's a, he's a really interesting guy and i could see him if there is that core of goodness it, it does feel like it, they're eventually going to come down to a civil war amongst the seven right you're going to yeah. have the Stormfronts and uh uh captain america what's his name uh homelander. homelander versus the ones that have either been cast aside or still haven't lost completely their touch with their humanity um and that'd be interesting and i think I don't know, Black Noir, depending on what his damage is, uh, could easily be on the quote-unquote good side of that. Probably going to have some challenges uh, humanizing him, you know, whatever that means in a superhero story. Like, it's they're doing it with Kamiko, I think, pretty well, but they had, like, that platform of her brother to bounce, you know, her, her stuff off of. Who does Black Noir have, right? Like, Black Noir doesn't seem to be connected to any of these people. Um in any real meaningful way, like none of them are. Uh, but right. also he doesn't speak. So like scenes to get like details of his past out are going to be very difficult. Yeah. Even Kimiko, like you, she doesn't speak either, but she's got her face. You know, you can see kind of like what she's thinking yeah. and feeling with just had the camera lingering on um, to do that with, uh, I'm not saying you can't do that black noir, but it's going to require a lot of mime skill, <laughs> yeah. a lot of physicality um, and, and some, some, some creative uh, camera work. We'll see. We'll see if they can do it. And that's why that shot was so good, right? Because it says so much about his past, about what he's been through just in a single shot with no dialogue, nothing. Yep. Moving on to Davin, uh, watching Stan Edgar stand up to the home, uh, stand up to Homelander in the fashion he does, got my wheels spinning. There's no way a man who does just or is just a regular dude puffs his chest out and stares down a psychopath like Homelander without some kind of security measures. The last uh, podcast you guys mentioned, what if there's an anti-compound V? But that's one of two things. You've also mentioned Edgar maybe having some powers of his own, and that's the, uh, but maybe the other is that he has a soup on his side that is strong enough to kill Homelander, but mentally stable enough to understand how running a billion or even trillion dollar company works. My thought is that Lamplighter just retiring never sat with me because clearly these guys don't retire. They're either being killed or kicked out of the seven. What if he took a step back after being recruited by Edgar to be his muscle? I can see Edgar seeing this um, and wanting to bring him in to be a kind of check and balance system for Homelander after he cooked uh, the inside of Still- Stillwell, Stallwell's head, Madeline's head. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about this? Because uh, to be honest... No, we don't know. I, I don't remember hearing much, if anything, about Lamplighter at all, other than he was part of the Seven before. Yeah, um, he's he's Starlight is replacing him is is how we join the narrative. Right. Uh and so I don't even know that I can speculate on that. It seems to me like the the obvious person he'd be bringing in at this point is Stormfront because we know that he personally brought her in and she seems yeah, powerful enough 
I think like uh, I don't know. I I I actually don't even know the full extent of Homelander's powers. Um, I don't know how invulnerable right. he is. I don't know how like can he turn back time by flying around the Earth? Right, like mm-hmm, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Could Stormfront stand up to him? I don't know. Um, and I know even less about Lamplighter, right? Yeah, I mean she he stands up she stands up to a tit laserin, but it's I mean who knows maybe Maeve could do that. Uh, it seems translucent probably because his skin was impenetrable. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's very hard to see who could beat who in checks and balances and not knowing anything about Homelander's weaknesses and Lamplighter. It's like I have no idea about his power level or whatnot. Um, Homelander's been the leader of the Seven for a while, and that implies that he's got the most power. But yeah, I don't I even know if that's. Him, you can tell. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's true though, because like, is Superman the leader of the Justice League, or is it kind of like a consortium? Like, it's it's like ruled by the consent of Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Superman. Um, yeah, I don't I, know. I mean, I think he's I the know. most powerful of the bunch. It is. It is interesting, and then uh, you know they could develop him as a powerful character, and him being kind of like, uh, or or maybe uh, Stan Edgar has a whole bevy of these retired superheroes that are personally loyal to their to him because they they're getting a pension or whatever uh or they're hoping to be replaced like uh rehomed rather like stormfront you know mm-hmm. uh rehabilitated and changed around but we'll see Matt comes in says last week in some of the feedback you were asked to contemplate a homelander weakness maybe a compound v nullifier I think you've also mused about what possibly could take down someone so powerful. I've been thinking about it too, not in regards of what could, because there are many things that could. A kryptonite compound V-Nullifier, Homelander's son being more powerful than him and rising up, a team-up of all the best superheroes to take him down, etc. While those things are possible, what I'm really wondering is what options are there that are actually interesting, as in what has not been done before. It seems like all these options above would be sort of repeating some sort of tired superhero formula. What I like about this show is that it seems to subvert and renew or do something entirely new with a genre, all while grounding it to be more real world, satirizing and critiquing a current reality. That being said, what do you want to see? What do you think would be the most daring way to take down or not take down the big bad, which is Vought slash Homelander? The more I got to thinking about the problem, the more I thought a proper season two climax would be us expecting Homelander to be taken down in some big fight, but actually for the show to twist the other way, his true self being revealed to the world in a dark and tyrannical ending, the heroes and whatever plans they have widely failing, almost an Empire Strikes Back type of downbeat that reflects on the downbeat we have in our current society and might be an exclamation point on November. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, that's what I want to see. Something daring, subversive, reflecting of the new and now, and also somewhat being new. Can they do it? I'm liking the show and I hope they can. What do you think, Jim? Subverting? Did the show continues to subvert and has Homelander essentially, I don't know, be some kind of dark king? Hell yeah. Omnipotent king? The, the, The most excited I've been in this entire show is when he lasered that crowd, uh, at the protest. Because mm-hmm. that takes this, uh, th- that just turns everything up to 11. And you still have all the same problems. How do you take down a, uh, effectively a god? Uh, and if you have no known solutions, when that turn comes, it's fucking terrifying. So, yeah, go there. Absolutely go there. 
It would be interesting to have a scene where like literally all the world's nuclear equipped nations launch their missiles at Homelander and he just like flies up in the stratosphere and does some kind of death blossom where he just takes them all out, takes all the missiles out. And then there's uh-huh. nothing like that was your best shot. And he just he just soaked it up. Yeah. Um, or yeah. Or if he just lets all the missiles detonate on him and he's still untouched, like, holy fuck, like, God, Um When I was reading this email for the first time, the thing I kept thinking about is so many people took this logic in with them, the late game Game of Thrones, and a couple people pointed out that, like, you can't subvert all the way to the end, usually, because the ultimate subversion to an ending is to never end, right? Uh, Sure. And eventually, you have to have things start coming in some kind of logical non-random sequence that brings the narrative to a satisfying conclusion. And that's usually when the subversive stuff starts becoming kind of like, you know, paint by numbers or routine, they can dress it up and make it be unexpected. But like, um, I do know that that's sometimes a recipe for fan dissatisfaction. If you're like, Oh, the show's so dark and subversive, they're going to be dark and subversive up until the end sometimes. But most of the times they have to go conventional just to (laughs) come to a, 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 a satisfying linear end to an arc because otherwise if things just keep randomly happening and subverting, then you could have, it's not even real narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. That's the thing I was worried about. I think they've shown, you know, in the, the first season and a half here that uh, Homelander's real weakness is his mind, right? Like his ability to be manipulated. Um, if, if you could somehow convince Homelander to do what you wanted him to do. That's his only real weakness. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'd like to see a thing where they straight up challenge him physically and lose. And then they have to, you know, go back to the drawing board and challenge him mentally challenge him tactically. Yeah. Uh, magic. That's my thought. Ma- yeah. Just, a get, dragon? just get, yeah. Get a warlock in there or something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bind him mystically. Um, Ara says, I resisted watching the show for a, a year because I was not too sure I'd like the dark tone and gore, but after hearing that Jensen Ackles got cast for season three, which I didn't know, uh, and if you didn't know that he's the one of the two stars of the show Supernatural and is being developed by Eric Kripke, which is the showrunner for Supernatural. I did not know that the, the boys in Supernatural shared a showrunner. I decided to give it a shot just before season two's premiere and I instantly got hooked. It's much funnier than I realized it would be. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the social media promotion, I've been talking about how like blood soaked and gory and everything it is. But like, it's hard to capture that. Like, yes, this is true, but it's also hilarious when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like slapstick, Peter Jackson, dead alive, brain dead, whatever type type gore. Yeah, it has like a campy quality to it. You know, yeah, with a very high yeah. budget. <laughs> right, right. Uh, she has a couple questions based on her newfound enthusiasm for the material. What do you guys think about Homelander being brought up in a lab? Any thoughts on that? It reminded me a bit in the way of Superman storyline and Flashpoint. I'm assuming this is some CW or alternate universe plot that I'm not aware of, where he's basically a government experiment and is locked away in a bunker with no sunlight, only to later get all attached to his new friends. Two different ways of reacting to slightly similar situation to me. Um, yeah, I don't know about the storyline you're talking about, but I do think it's interesting... Uh, seeing a person raised in an environment where they didn't have genuine like love and like probably respect and self-esteem and also had 
unlimited powers, you couldn't actually check this child. It's like Joffrey, except for you could never spag- smack him, give him a backhand, right? Yeah. Um, Joffrey you just with have no Charles no, dance. <laughs> yeah, you have no emotional or otherwise, you know, physical leverage over him. Yeah. Um, that's another thing they could do to kind of be subversive, um, as per the previous email, is try to humanize Homelander. Like, you know, uh, there but for the grace of God go us. Like if we were raised in this environment, would we turn out any differently? Um, yeah, and I think, I think that would be interesting. Getting a second go at this. I, I, I don't know. Vought might be trying to learn a lesson or two from the raising of Homelander with the raising of Ryan. Uh, they've mm. got his mother there. Instead of raising him in a lab under doctor's supervision or whatever uh, and being poked and prodded, they're kind of leaving this child with uh, his mother to hopefully nurture him in a way that won't turn him into another Homelander. Uh, it's still not a it? natural experience. It's literally him and his mother in like a Petri dish of a yeah. suburban, you know. Yeah, for sure. It, it's it's close, but hopefully his mom being there will be the defining factor. Yeah. Um, about Annie and Hugh's relationship, I think the big reason why they fell so quickly together is that when they first met, they were each other's normal in the midst of all this chaos and disillusionment they were experiencing. For Annie especially, since she didn't know the truth about Huey, he was one of the only bright spots in this new life she'd found herself in. After being assaulted and then having that co-opted to be part of her brand, he was nice to her when everyone else in the city was just giant dicks. Uh... Yeah, and I guess for Huey, it makes complete sense that, you know, she is a rebound and she is like beautiful and powerful. And, you know, the only the only thing I think it's amazing is that like he can keep his like uh, insecurity in check enough to have a normal (laughs) conversation with her. Uh Um, But uh, yeah, it it does check out. It's just I I I don't know for whatever reason I just uh, I haven't I haven't turned the corner on Huey yet. I'm starting to. Hmm. I'm starting to warm up on him. I feel like uh, this episode. Yeah, this episode with him and Butcher kind of did a lot to kind of like aha. I understand why this dynamic kind of works. Yeah. So they're they're halfway there. They just need to keep going. Finally, are you guys ever planning on reading the comics? As I'm sure you've heard, they're way more gory or off the chains, ball to the wall than the TV show. I did not hear that. I did not hear that the sh- the comics were even more so than the show. It doesn't surprise me because comics as a medium can can get away with that. But uh, this show is a lot more controlled. The characters are better developed and more multidimensional. The story is more coherent, so I definitely prefer it. But some of the stuff you guys have been discussing, uh, questions you have been discussing are answered in the comics, like Anne and Huey's relationship. Uh, there's a couple other things. Um, I know you guys are super busy, but I remember Aaron read A Song of Ice and Fire and Jim didn't. I was wondering if you guys have a plan like that for this as well. Um, I, I guess I'm not opposed, but um, and, and maybe if this show continues to get popular, it might be a good idea for one of us to read it just to keep, uh, you know, accidental spoilers and people because because I that was my whole experience with Game of Thrones past season three. Um, or even like including season three was just like trying to keep the people sending in. I've never read the books, but you know, doesn't it seem like they're building towards this obvious spoiler for something that happens in Dance of Dragons? Like, 
you know, and it, and it sucks because on the other hand, um, when you have shows based on material, um, it kind of takes a damper out of speculation because I, I'm sure some people just innocently arrive at their, you know, because they're smart and they're seeing all the foreshadowing. They arrive at the correct conclusion, but I can't give them credit because it's literally what happens. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to think about it. Well, I think uh, uh, we'll have to make the call between season two and season three. Um and I imagine if anyone read, it'd probably be me because I don't think you really truck with comic books that much. Uh, not not so much. Like I, I'm not opposed to them. I just don't choose yeah. to read them most of the time. And I like to kind of remain pretty oblivious to the source material. I think the Expanse is like the one place where, uh, I've indulged a little bit reading the books before the show. Um, and it helps because the creators are so enmeshed with the both works, right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it, yeah. they kind of feed back in on each other and enhance each other. And maybe that's true of the boys as well. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe I would I don't, uh, like, yeah, like seeing if, some if, of the extra gory bits. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'll probably yeah, I don't, stick with the show on this. I don't think that Garth Ennis is credited as any kind of, um, like, like creative input in the writer's room and whatnot. I think it's just, it's just a straight adaptation like story. By but, or um, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I could see being interested in that. But I, I do, because some of this more pulpy stuff, a lot of times, um, like I was constantly disappointed in The Walking Dead that they just didn't do the fucking Walking Dead storylines. Yeah. You know, they kept on like adding stuff and inserting stuff and stretching stuff out. And it was constantly frustrating. Now, I don't think this is the same type of show or it has the same kind of like budgetary you know, cynical budgetary restrictions and demands to keep using the same sets and stuff like that. But like, it is something uh, I even wonder as we're covering season nine of walking dead, do I like this better just because I don't know what the hell's going to happen next to compare it to the comics. Like if I had read the comics yeah. and the whispers, what I would be like, Oh, I can't believe they did this alpha instead of other. I don't know. Sometimes it, sometimes it blows up in my face, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out in the off season. Jack from Norway, I really appreciate Stormfront's depiction as basically the embodiment of 4chan, an alt-right counterculture ironic racist. Whether she, um, whether she's Liberty or her daughter, she represents a progression of white supremacy culture in America and how the ideology from Southern law enforcement in the KKK era to now is being represented in meme-sharing quasi-nihilist, I'm just joking, bro, anti-establishment bigotry that you see in groups like the Proud Boys and the Patriot Prayer. Just thought, love the podcast. Um, I mean, yeah, that's just is like uh, <laughs> lifted from the headlines. Um, and it's really weird because, like, I've this is not the first time I've lived through this. Like during the the George Bush administration, there was constantly stuff that was making allusions to the Middle Eastern War. Um, uh, you, you know, uh, loss of freedom and individual rights and uh, surveillance and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, that stuff was pretty easy. to. It was happening over the ocean, and it's theoretical privacy breaches that might be enabled by the uh, Patriot Act. I feel like in 2020, we're like, we're living in the roost that the chickens have come home to. And it's like, oh, God, this is happening in our streets. And it's it's a little more uncomfortably close. Yeah, there's chicken shit everywhere. It's chicken shit everywhere. Foxes running amok. Uh, mm. It's it's not not a good scene so far. Uh, Dan P. Hey, guys. It occurred to me after we watching the first four episodes of The Boys that they seem to be pitting evil Superman versus even evil Captain America in the form of Homelander versus Stormfront. Huh. 
Perhaps the Stormfront being ageless, they would draw too many questions as to why Liberty existed for 50 plus years. So they quote unquote froze her and she has emerged as a new entity in a new unknown world. She has the advantage of being awake and watching the world change as she waited for the right time. As she said, as she said, Homelander has fans, but she has cyber soldiers. Perhaps this way she can take her racist agenda mainstream and normalize it. I didn't think about the commonalities between Stormfront and Captain America. Two heroes sidelined in their prime and then being kind of like fish out of the water. Although I guess, like you said, she's been awake the whole time. So she's been able to hone and shape her message and and change the times where, you know, Steve Rogers feels like he's very much, you know, walking right out of the 1940s in 2020. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, curious where they go with that, because, um, yeah, I mean, Stormfront, uh, based on the stuff we've seen from her so far, seems to be a, a ideological inversion of Captain America as well. Like, I don't yeah. think Captain America mm-hmm. was a racist. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm in for it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Captain. America, I'm pretty sure there's, there's been versions of Captain America where they subvert that. Like, what if you know Captain America was a Nazi? Or I think there's actually a Soviet Union Probably. version of Captain America kicking around there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I it is does seem like an inversion to take because even then, like she's called Liberty, Lady Liberty, like that's very centered uh-huh. to the American. That's not too far off from Captain America for sure. Uh. So that's that's super interesting. Uh, Sonic Boyster. I like the show and I love where it's trying to go politically, but I'm worried that the producers are already pulling their punches and it's put it pulling me out of the show. The Deep is being canceled for taking advantage of women is an interesting story, but suddenly we're working him into a Scientology subplot so that we can, I guess, keep finding reasons to laugh at him. Do they really want to try to redeem him or just keep him a punching bag for the rest of the show? Um, Stormfront leveraging the alt-right through social media is great, but why have Almond Joy commercials every 20 minutes in a show that's supposed to be taking the piss out of corporate shilling? The show is willing to play with hyper-violence, rape, domestic abuse, hate crimes, etc., but when they cut away to a flashback of Liberty murdering a black dude, just because he's black, the show makes sure to play it safe with its language. They also went with the most dated and innocuous slur they could dig up when they killed Kimiko's brother... Sexually assaulting Annie in the first episode, check. Having a literal Nazi use a modern ethnic slur on a show that's all about shock value. Hey, hey, let's not get too crazy. Um, if you or we have to keep things politically correct on our heavily sponsored pseudo political show about Nazi superheroes. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to invoke all this modern hate mongering, you shouldn't half ass it and play it safe. I'm worried the show is punch- punching above its weight and is going to end up coming across as mere exploitative than relevant if it keeps up the trend. If the show is just dipping a toe into politics to stir people up and doesn't commit to any of its messages, it'll end up being no better than the sanitized corporate crap. It's satire, satirizing, satirizing. Um, what do you think, Jim? I, I, I take your point. Um, that makes a certain amount of sense. I, I am struggling to understand why I enjoy this show so much because I've seen so many shows that are, um let's say tonally incoherent and that's maybe damning them uh, a little too much. Like, you know, try this thing, this whiplash feel right of, of going back and forth between shock and heartfelt moments and, and blood and violence. And then like a sweet moment, this show is able to get away with it for me in a way that is not true of most shows. 
Uh, and I don't know why that is. It's it's something maybe they're just walking that tightrope perfectly down the middle um, to keep me engaged. But like, yeah, I I get it. You know, when you're blowing up a whale and sitting next to its car inside of its carcass next to its beating heart for 10 minutes. And then you, yeah, have, you know, Stormfront kind of pull her punches on the language she uses. I can see why, you know, you might sort of go, oh, boy, this is going to just water this thing down. I, I think Sonic here's got us on to something that mm-hmm. you can't have Fresca and Baby Ruth and Almond Joy and all these other like these these corporate sponsors. Now, I mean, I don't know. It could be that they're just doing this to take the piss and they're not getting any money. Like it's part it's a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's part of the subversion as well. Like we're using these corporate names without their permission and we're not getting anything for it. And, and none of them are being shown in a flattering light. Like giving someone a fresca to bring them into a cult is not brainwash them. Right. Saying yeah, Almond yeah, Joy yeah. sucks fat ass uh, and I, I hate it and it's garbage trash candy is not flattering, right? They're not going to sell any Almond Joys doing that. But I mean, there's also no, uh, <laughs> there's also the, Here's the thing. I bought an Almond Joy for the first time in like a year last week. Okay, and it was entirely yeah, well. because it was on my mind. And that's All the right. thing. Like you can't you can't like you can't suppress the feeling of like, God damn, a, a fresco would be nice and crisp and clean right now if it's citrus taste. Mm-hmm. When you, you see a cold one being it's like it's it's it just triggers a Pavlovian response. Like, you know, maybe if you've never heard of fresco or tasted or an Almond Joy, you could be. But like to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I haven't had one of those for a long while. So like. Yeah, and it, even there's a thing where it's like, uh, isn't that Poe's law? Like, the more sincere a parody you make something, the more it becomes indistinguishable from the thing itself. Because yeah. the more accurately you parrot uh, someone's racist notions, the more it's like, oh shit, you're actually making an effective argument for them. Um, so yeah, I, I, it is, I didn't even notice that, but it is very weird that you got this super uh uh racist character that's that's lynching a young black man and they go into the soft slur pile to to do it um i don't know um there's also um something to be said to maybe soften some of that um because it's it's something i've been thinking about a lot i know we talked this on the last off the clock about lovecraft but i've been seeing more and more black um you know commenters on pop culture and just people in the sphere saying that like yeah, I mean it's it's getting a little old to just see um this this blanket like blatant racism and stuff as like some kind of like statement, you know. It's like yeah. uh it's it's like a fine line between educating people about the realities of racism and stuff going on in the world and also like oh my god, at the 100th time you see a black body disrespected in the streets by law enforcement, it's like Jesus Christ, how much how much more do you need to see and how much do you, do, does it just start to sicken you or numb you? um normalize even so i don't know it's it's ah, this that's the danger of walking a tightrope like this on 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 the show um is uh yeah it's it's really hard to try to say something interesting about the thing without advocating for the thing itself you know Mm -hmm. like i i think we mentioned this in preview it wouldn't be i wouldn't be i wouldn't be shocked at all if you start seeing homelander signs at actual protests like if he becomes kind of like a poster yeah. child for like, you know, is this even really extreme? He wants to protect America from all the crazy shit in the world, man. Right. You know, and uh, they'll they, just it, totally it, it, ignore it, how he's creating the crazy shit in the world that he's protecting us from. Right. 
Right. And which is enough, you know, another uh, commentary on state violence. You know, it's because that's, that's yeah. what Homelander is ultimately um, mm-hmm. is what happens if you don't check state violence and it's unaccountable and omnipotent turns into something twisted and evil. So I yeah, it's 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 a challenge and I'll it'd be interesting to see if the, the show continues to, to walk it um, and uh, what we make of it going forward. That's all the feedback we got. If you'd like to send us feedback, of course, it's easy. Send it to DHS at baldmove.com, and we will consider it for the next episode. Um, We've got another really good one coming out next week. Uh, Make sure you get in that feedback to DHS at baldmove.com. Of course, we also have our forums at forums.baldmove.com, where people are discussing this every week. Um, Otherwise, yeah, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.